Hey, and welcome back to Season 1, Episode 62 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santamire, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Pastor Stephen Blandino once again. Many of you know that he's been on the podcast I'm in the past, and today we get to sit down and learn from him on eight practices to starting the new year. Now, you're probably thinking, well, Aaron, this might have been a good one, a uh, podcast to share on the uh the first day of the new year, but the reality of it is uh, many of us make uh, those New Year's resolutions and we start and stop and start and stop. And I think this gives us an opportunity once we've got past that point and realizing that 2021 is setting in and where we can go with that um, as we look forward to 2021. And Stephen gives you structure. He talks about some things often that um, I wouldn't have never, I wouldn't have thought about um, scheduling rest, um, scheduling time of reflection, and uh, just really enjoy getting to learn from Stephen and uh, his wisdom and insight. Do want to encourage you to continue sending your questions for Back Channel with Foth, and that's when I sit down um, and have the opportunity, to, we have the opportunity to learn from Dick Foth as listeners send in questions, and Dick answers those, and I'm um, really excited um, to continue. The questions keep coming in, and we're really appreciated, um, really appreciate you sending those in. Do want to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is azwmafrica.org for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa. 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries and 79,106 indigenous churches discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org well there's no time better than now to get started so here we go Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today um, with our friend Stephen Blandino, who's returned. Um, We're going to discuss his eight practices to start the new year. However, I would like Stephen for you to take some time and share about uh, your new endeavor. Sure. Thanks, Aaron. It's great to be with you again and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Um, I just started a podcast uh, this year. It's called Leader Fluent, and I'm excited about it. It's uh, something that I'll release each month, but dealing with topics like personal growth and leadership and organizational development, things like that. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, off to the races. We, we released three episodes right out of the gate, uh, one of them dealing with how to create a plan for personal growth, one of them on six keys to effective time management, and one on creating stellar customer service. So uh, that's the uh, those are the first three right out of the gate. Again, it's called Leader Fluent, and uh, you can check it out on most platforms. It's, awesome. it's uh, still got a couple that are in development, but uh, yeah, it's on iTunes and Stitcher and and uh, iHeartRadio, all those different ones. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll put links um, in the show notes, um, but Leader Fluent with Stephen Blandino, correct? Yes, sir. Thanks. Awesome. Man. Awesome. Looking forward. I've listened to some. I'm uh, continue to look forward to the ones that come out. I appreciate it because they're practical and um, you're, it's more of a, sh- it's not a long, long, can you just share the format that you're using, Stephen? Yeah, right now it's just, um, you know, I just teach and uh, it's about 20 minutes long and uh, try to make it really practical, applicable, uh, focused, um, not a lot of fluff, like get yeah. to the point and uh, make it meaningful for leaders. So that's, that's, that's what we're shooting for. No, it's good. And you're hitting the target for sure. For sure. Well, Stephen, today we're going to talk about um, your eight practices to starting the new year. 
And one of the first things that I found uh, very interesting is, is you, you mentioned that we, we, the first point was to rest regularly. Uh, what was some of the reasons you chose that as number one? And why is rest so important for a leader? Well, probably because I don't always do it well. So <laughs> I, uh, I always get a good night's sleep. Like I've, I've not, that's not something I've struggled with. I, I, I get adequate uh, sleep each night, which I know for a lot of people, that's not the case. So I don't, I don't take that for granted and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But I, I rest well at night, sleep well at night. Um, I think my bigger struggle is, you know, taking my vacation time, making sure I protect that day off each week, things like that. That's where I have to really focus. So, so, you know, starting the new year, um, for me, I always take that week between Christmas and new year as just a, a, uh, a time to completely unplug. And that's when these practices really come into focus for me. And so, um, even though I'm doing these things during that week and they might, as we kind of work through them, sound like work. Um, they're not done in a way that robs rest. Like I, mm. I, I make sure there's just a real um, laid back opportunity for just rest and relaxation. And so rest is important. And, and I, I, I think of the passage in Matthew 11 when Jesus said, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And um, there's really two things that, that I, I think about here. One is rest refreshes the soul, right? Uh, Jesus said, you know, you will find rest for your souls. Um, so when we choose to pull back and lean into the Lord and rest, we're making space for our soul to breathe. And, um, and we, we know that leadership just has a way of constricting our time, our energy, our emotional reserves and uh, rest, you know, it gives us breathing room for our souls. Um, but the second thing is this is that rest also recalibrates our pace. Hmm. And here, here's kind of what I think, think about you know, it's like when a marathoner takes off, they don't, they don't run as fast as they can, as hard as they can, because they know they've got a long race ahead of them. And in fact, they often say a marathoner, and I'm not a marathoner, so, but, but you know, what I've, <laughs> what I've read is that a marathoner will typically around mile 21 or 22 hit that wall. And um, that's kind of the really tough, tough point for them. And so uh, if they have not, um, run or walk at the at the right pace that they're not going to make it through that wall like the pace is really critical so so your pace i i think can fall into two categories there's the could do pace and then mm. there's the should do pace okay your could do pace is you know it's how fast you can run but just because you can doesn't mean you should <laughs> and uh your should do pace is that sustainable pace that allows you to find the rest necessary to complete the race to finish well all of that so so we have to focus on the should do pace not the could do pace and when we do that again it, it's sustainable so i just think taking time for rest uh, allows the soul to be refreshed and, and to make sure your pace stays in check. That's good. And it's, it's something I, I do struggle with myself. Um, my mind, uh, continues to, uh, to wander. And, um, but anyway, there's definitely things I can do to rest and, uh, 
And uh, it's definitely important, as you say, to recalibrate and um, and differentiating between that could and should is uh, is a balance. I, I don't yeah, think that it I, is. I, I uh, get right every time. So, well, and I think the challenge as well is just is what you just touched on there, Aaron, is the mental side of it. Like yeah. you can be physically removed from the work, but your mind is still just racing. And that I know that for me as well is, is just a challenge. You're you're having to unplug. And, and um, I heard someone say one time when they go on vacation, they always know the first three days of their vacation is just going to be mentally unplugging. That's true. And, That's um, true. and so they, so they knew that therefore they, they've got to have a certain number of days that they're on vacation. Otherwise, you know, by the time they get mentally unplugged, they're back at it. So yeah. And, and it's, and I always start engaging two or three days before I'm going to go back. I start thinking, yeah. you know what I mean? So you, you do have that window. And if I'm not, if I don't pay attention, if it's too short, I'm not engaged and then I'm re-engaged and then it's, it's not much mental, mental rest. So sure. the second thing you, you mentioned is that leaders um, retract towards isolation and um, how, what was, what are some points that we're charging relationally? Why is that one of uh, very valuable for a leader? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think when our, when our pace increases, our connectivity decreases. Hmm. So in, in other words, community is often the casualty of a chaotic schedule. Um, and, and we know relationships recharge us, but those are the things that often get put on the back burner whenever our relationship or whenever our calendar just gets out of control. So um, a, a couple of things that I think are important to consider is one, um, form a life team. And, and this hmm. is an idea that, that uh, Dr. John Townsend talks about in, mm-hmm. his, in his book, People Fuel. He mm-hmm. talks about forming a life team that will provide a healthy dose of relational nutrients. That's and, good. Uh, you know, he says a life team could be anywhere from three to 10 people hmm. uh, that you meet with regularly for mutual support and growth. You know, it's people that are giving you affirmation. They're giving you feedback, advice, perspective, encouragement, forgiveness, you know, yeah. all of those things that are nutrients in your soul. And, uh, and he says that, you know, the members of a life team could be, uh, you know, it can be a variety of people. It can be coaches, it can be mentors, it can be family members, friends, all of those. So, so getting clear on your, your life team and making sure it's people that you can connect with. Yeah. Um, and then second is, scheduling relational time. And yeah. I know that sounds kind of cold because, yeah. <laughs> you know, we think relationships should be, you know, there's the feeling and there's the That's emotional right. side right. and all of that. So to say schedule relational yeah. time just sounds yeah. a, a bit cold, but yeah. I just know the reality is for, for most leaders, if they don't, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, true. And uh, so scheduling provides structure. And what you do in that structured time is what makes a relationship fulfilling. And that can be very spontaneous, but you just need that time. So, so you need a team and you need a time. Yeah. The time, the team is the who, the time is the when, and uh, the team provides the nutrients that you need relationally and, uh, and time obviously ensures that it's happening. And I think that when you talk about life team, the, the idea that um, it's not just people that my schedules intersect with. And because um, I think a lot of times you feel like that's your life team, but when your schedules yeah. don't intersect anymore, they're no part, no longer part of your life team. <laughs> so they were, right, right. And, so, and I think that's trying to differentiate that is um, and can be challenging. Yeah, that's a great point. And sometimes that means you just, it doesn't mean life team, they have to be physically in the same room. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a call. It's a, yeah. it's a zoom meeting. Um, yeah. that's someone that you're able to connect with. 
Yeah, that's good. Good word. Moving on to the third point, you um, you share that leaders, uh, the developing an attitude of gratitude is, is highly important as we begin the new year. Can you share that, why you chose that, an attitude of gratitude? Yeah. So each year at the end of the year, one of the things I do is I will um, make a list of things I'm, I'm grateful for from that year. And that's something that I'll do, not just at the end of the year, I've got a gratitude journal, but at the end of the year, I like to take kind of a concentrated time to, to, to focus on what am I thankful for? And here there, there's, there's a couple of reasons. One is it just helps reframe your perspective in life. We tend to translate good to mean easy and hard to mean bad. In other wow. words, uh, whatever makes life easier for me is a good definition of good, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and whatever makes life harder is, uh, you know, a good definition of bad. Yeah. So the problem is that we assume that God's that that that's God's perspective as well. That's God's definition as well, and it's not. Hmm. God's good looks different than ours because it's seen through the lens of growth. Hmm. And, um, you know, the things that, that help us grow, let's just be honest, are, are usually not the easy things. Right. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, the question is, can you be thankful for the good that helps you grow even when it's hard? Yeah. And I, I think taking time for gratitude helps, helps give you the right framework, the, 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 the right perspective. And so, um, so, you know, that you can re reframe your perspective and then you can have a gratitude journal to help you with that. And, and I had someone challenge me with this a few years ago of, of a 30 day gratitude journal to jot down two things every day that you're thankful for. And it's, you know, in the beginning, it's easy because you're thinking about, you know, the, the obvious things, <laughs> uh, family and God and, you know, right. what Jesus did and everything. But, you know, you get a, you, you get a couple of weeks into it and you know, you're saying, God, thank you for Italian food. That's God, right. thank you for, uh, you know, but that's good. It's good yeah. because it helps you thank God for the little things in life as well. So, you know, and after a year like 2020, um, yeah. whenever I sat down at the end of the year and I, I walked through this, um, I probably listed about 20 things that I was thankful for. And I just sensed the Holy spirit saying, I want you to keep, keep hmm. at it, keep hmm. processing, keep thinking. And so by the time it was done, I'd listed 52 things that I was thankful hmm. for from 2020. Yeah. Well, that was an extremely difficult year for everybody. Right. Yeah, for sure. But, but it's, it's forcing ourselves to say, no, I'm not going to let my heart grow cold uh, by just focusing on the negative and focusing yeah. on everything that went bad. We have yeah. to intentionally train our thinking in our minds to say, no, I'm going to look for the good. I'm going to celebrate the positive, even though it was a really difficult year. Yeah. And it is, you know, I think we do seem to drift towards the ingratitude rather towards uh, drifting towards gratitude and, um, yeah. and refocusing on that. Um, and can be a challenge. One of my big things on a personal note, you know, I came, I've been back in the U.S. And so one thing that I'm always grateful for is going to Cracker Barrel and getting their apple dumpling. <laughs> now it's like, it's like 15 million calories. I know, but I was so grateful. I'm always to get there. And then they, they've discontinued it. I'm like, this oh. is, what is, what is the world coming to that you don't That's have right. apple dumplings? So I love a good apple pie. And when you mentioned food, that is one thing um, that I am, that I'm grateful for on a very basic thing, but honestly, something I enjoy. And um, thankful awesome. when I thank when I get to eat it. 
The fourth important practice you talk about um, and share with us is about renewing spiritually. You shared that the Jesus modeled this, and that that jumped that jumped out to me. Can you care, share some of the keys for spiritual renewal? Yeah, I um, you know there's a passage in Luke uh, Luke chapter five that says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mm. And one translation says he often withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Mm. And I, I noticed something about that passage. There's three things that really jumped out at me. Uh, frequency, privacy, and vicinity. Um, frequency, because it says uh, Jesus often. So that implies that that prayer was a repetitive practice in his life. It was a habit in his life. And we see that in other passages too. In John 6, you know, it says that Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So, so prayer was a frequent frequent practice that shaped his life and his leadership, that there was privacy uh, because it says Jesus often withdrew. So obviously that implies seclusion, privacy, yeah. pulling back. For sure. And, um, and, and uh, I think it's, it's in the withdrawing that we find the strength that, that, that we need to continue. And then there's vicinity. In other words, he had a place for prayer and it says he withdrew to the wilderness. He withdrew to those solitary places, those private uh, places and he had this habit. So, so here's kind of the bottom line: spiritual renewal requires a, a pace and a place. The place provides privacy, and the the pace cultivates intimacy. And um, and and Jesus just modeled that that so well. And I think something that really stands out to me about this passage. In fact, I just I've got an article I'm posting on my blog tomorrow that uh, deals with this passage of scripture. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, what, what's interesting is that right before we read that verse, Jesus had just healed a man of leprosy. Mm -hmm. And it, it says that his, um, that after he healed the man, he told the man, don't tell anyone. Hmm. And, and then uh, after that, it says that vast crowds came, that the news about him spread everywhere and that many people came and brought uh, their, uh, you know, they came to hear him preach and they came because they had diseases and they needed yeah. to be healed. Yeah. And what stood out, you know, what stood out to me about that was uh, there was, there, there, there was, I, I think there's a, a something powerful that in our culture is extremely relevant. I've just read this article called How Jesus Handled Popularity. Hmm. And, and, and what's interesting is this, is that Jesus experienced bigger and faster and higher and greater. In other words, hmm. after he heals this man, um, he experienced bigger and faster. In other words, bigger crowds and faster publicity. And with that bigger and faster came higher and greater. In other words, higher demands and greater needs hmm. because it says everybody came out to hear him preach yeah. and they all had diseases that needed yeah. to be healed. Yeah. And so as a result, even though bigger and, and, and faster, you know, is fun, like most leaders want that. Right. Um, the pressure of higher and greater, which always comes with the bigger and faster is often unsustainable. Hmm. And so it's like it creates this vicious cycle that produces leadership burnout and sometimes a complete leadership uh, collapse. So, so what I find interesting is that Jesus's uh, prescription, if you will, uh, to, to dealing with this popularity that so many leaders pursue 
was, was one, he told the man he healed of leprosy, don't tell anyone. So his motive was not to grow bigger and faster. His motive right. was pure. Yeah. He wasn't seeking that. And then, and then secondly, uh, right after that verse, it says that he withdrew uh, to the wilderness for, for prayer. So he sought to, to fight the lure and the temptation and the, the demands. Um, he, he spent regular time with his heavenly father. So, so while his ministry advanced, Jesus made it a habit to withdraw. That's good. That's so good. just just a side note, and I kind of went a little, maybe a little rabbit trail. No, there, no, but no. That's just something fresh right off the, no. uh, you know, just that that Jesus had such a beautiful way of dealing with the things that I think we deal with uh, today, and there's some valuable lessons in that. For sure, and it's a, as you said, it's a it's a prominent point uh, in our in the evangelical world today. Yeah. This idea of the popularity and. Um, and when, you know, I think it's, I'm going to butcher the statement, but when your character can't support your, the giftings and the talents mm-hmm. and the anointing, then it, it doesn't end well. And, right. um, and some, yeah, the popularity part I'll, always into that. So no, on great point. And, um, yeah, and we can put that, I can put the link to that in, in the, in the show notes too, for your blog for that. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. I'm sure. The fifth point is, um, you communicate that reflection is, is vitally important. What are some questions we can use to to reflect in a structured manner? Because sometimes as we talked about leaders and your mind going, you know, I can begin reflecting and then end up, you know, down the road on the to do list rather than reflecting on when I began. Yeah. So, what are some what are, what are some ways that we can reflect in a structured in a structured manner? Yeah. So one of the things I'll do um, that last week of the year is I'll go back through my calendar every day, literally every day of the calendar, and I'll look and see how did I spend my time this past year and what can I learn uh, in that process. So whenever I go back and do that, it kind of reminds me of something that Andy Stanley said one time. He said, experience doesn't make you wiser evaluated experience mm, makes you wiser. Good. So, so it's not just having the experiences reflecting on it and gleaning right. from it. So whenever I do that, then I'll, then I'll say, okay, what lessons have I learned? Um, how have I invested my time over the past year? And then what will give me the greatest return on my investment of time in the new year? And what changes do I need to make? You know, as you, as you kind of go through a, a process like that, those are just some questions that I think help. Um, what, you know, what did I learn? Yeah. Where did I invest my time? What do I need to change so that then I'm investing in what's going to give me the greatest return on my investment of time? Otherwise, we just compound bad habits year after year after year, <laughs> and our time just escapes us. And we just, as you said, we can, at least for me, you continue to add things on your plate and continue to add them on your plate. And then eventually it's, uh, yeah, and that, that refocusing is, is important. Is that something you do over a, f- a period of a few weeks or is that something you do in a day or it just depends? Um, usually, you know, I'll take, a, I'll take a day where I'm really going through my calendar and looking again every day how I spend my time. I'm lo- what I'm looking for is patterns. Okay. What do I continue to do over and over? It's just not the best use of my time. And I'll just start listing those as I'm going through my calendar. And when I get through it, I realize, okay, here's some things I need to change. Yeah. And, um, and you know, what do I need, what do I need to do to make that happen? And so one of the things, for example, this year, whenever I went through my calendar, I realized I, I was meeting with my staff. Um, and it wasn't like this was new to me. I knew this, but it really stood, stood out to me. I was meeting with, 
the staff that I have one-on-one conversations with each week, I was meeting with them on two different days and I realized I need to batch all of that in meetings. So for me, Mondays is a heavy, heavy meeting day. Okay. I've got a, I've got a service design meeting in the morning where we're talking about the previous Sunday service and, and then the next Sunday service. I've got a staff meeting right after that. I've got a staff lunch right after that. And then I've got five one-on-one meetings with staff that report to me after that. And so that basically kills every Monday for me. So from 9 a.m. till, till about 4.30, it's just back-to-back meetings. But um, then it's done. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, like I, I, can, I can be focused on other things that need my attention. And it doesn't mean I don't have other meetings on those days. But when it comes to my staff, like Monday is devoted to, to the team and, and really doing what I need to. So walking through my calendar this last year, that jumped out at me. And I realized it, it, I always felt like I was um, not, not just uh, in a flow with that, that I needed to be in. And so I, that, that was just, you know, one change this year that, that I did. And uh, because here's the thing, a couple things will happen. One is you'll recognize that how you're doing things needs to change to help you be more efficient with it. But then here's the other thing that'll stand out. You'll see things that you're doing that are just a bad use of your time period. Like you shouldn't even be doing them at all. And here's where we can navigate to or gravitate to. We can gravitate to this place where we are efficiently doing the wrong things. Mm, That's good. That's good. That's and good. That just means you got to understand your priorities and get back to that. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. N- number six, you shared that uh, about the purpose of a compass and um, and why the the compass is re re important and refocusing. Can you touch on that just for and unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah. So I'll sometimes refer to it as a purpose compass that has four different points to it. Um, the four points are are life mission, core values personal legacy, and life scriptures. So I think it's helpful at the end of the year or at the beginning of a new year to to just go back and look at those things that you say are really guiding and directing your life and make sure that your life is still aligned with that, that those things are still true of you and that and it's what God has called you to. So, so it's kind of like the four points of a compass. So life mission, again, it's, it's what God's called you to invest your life in. And um, I like to say that your mission, your life mission is often expressed in, in three ways. It's expressed through what God has called you to do. That's your gifts, your abilities, your skills. It's expressed through who God has called you to serve. So that's a specific audience or a group. And it's expressed through the outcome that God wants to produce through your life. That's the, that's the result Hmm. of using your gifts, abilities, and skills to serve that audience. So by clarifying your life mission, you're able to strategically align the resources of your life with the purpose God has called you to. Um, You know, the second point being core values. So what are the handful of principles, priorities, or people that are most important to you? If you've identified that, you can really look and say, did I spend my time last year? Uh, Does how I spent my time last year reflect my values? Uh, personal legacy is the third point of the compass and, and, um, you know, legacy is what you, what, what you want to leave behind with your life. And, um, and so I think of legacy, uh, in, in three areas, it's, it's your character, your connections and your contribution. 
character, that's who you are. Connections, that's the people you've invested and impacted with your life. Contribution, that's what you've done. So hmm. when you think of legacy, you know, are you being really careful about those three things? Are you protecting your character? Are you intentionally investing in other people's lives? Are you do, using your gifts to contribute to the world and make a difference for the kingdom? Um, and so by focusing on those, you're able to really make a difference. Sometimes I'll say like this, if you want to leave a legacy worth remembering when you die, you have to write a legacy worth recording while you're alive. Wow. That's good. So personal legacy is one point. And then that the last point again is life scriptures. And some, you know, sometimes we've got scriptures that are just really meaningful to us and, you know, they, they shaped who we are today. Yeah. They support us. And so just reflecting on those and, and expanding your pursuit of God's word. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a quote. That's a tweetable quote there. Uh, we, if it's uh, it's gotta be worth, worth recording. I found the idea of removal of clutter also to be interesting. Um, and, uh, and then you described three different forms of clutter and that's the, the seventh, uh, the seventh practice. Could you share what those three forms of clutter are and why removing clutter is, is important? Yeah, sure. So, you know, the writer of Hebrews talked about throwing off everything that hinders and he's talking about sin that so easily entangles and everything there. But I think the same principle applies in leadership. We, we need to throw off things that are hindering and entangling us and, and preventing us from being really deliberate with our lives and how we use our time. So, you know, you have to del deliberately remove the clutter and that <clears throat> there's three types of clutter I talk about. One is your calendar clutter. And again, whenever you go through an entire year and you pinpoint, here's the things that, you know, how, here's how I use my time. The clutter is suddenly going to you know, stand out. You're going to realize, wow, that's just, just, that's just absorbing so much of my time. I, I, uh, I think it's just really easy for little things to creep in and they, we just start doing it in them just because, and I'll tell you the, the hardest clutter to remove on your calendar is the things that you're good at that just aren't a good use of your time. Wow. And hmm. I think we've all got them. We've got things yeah. that we've got gifting for. We might even have passion for. But when we look at our role in the organization, it's just not the best use of our time. We need yeah, to be able to good. hand that off. So yeah. those are the hardest things sometimes to delegate just because we love doing them. Yeah. But it, but it may not be smart. So throw yeah. off the calendar clutter. Then the, the second type of clutter is digital clutter. You know, this is all the, the, uh, the, the social media, the, the email, the ruthless scrolling, the, yeah. just all of that. I mean, you, you can do that and, and we all do, but what are the boundaries going to be? You know, yeah. I think the most recent stat I heard was that the average uh, person will spend about 15% of their waking hours on social media. Oof. And that, that's, that's over uh, every single day. So that, that's over two hours a day. It's like two hours and 20 yeah. minutes or something like that a day. So um, that's a significant amount of time. Yes, it is. And if you yes, add that up, imagine what you could accomplish with it. So, yeah. so it's just, man, I'm realizing more and more creating digital boundaries is really critical. Yeah. And then uh, the third type of clutter is, is relational clutter. And this sounds maybe a little strange or different, but relationships can become clutter when they become dysfunctional, when they uh, violate healthy boundaries, when they become toxic. And so you have to clarify, you know, are there any relationships that are 
becoming that in my life and negatively impacting who I'm becoming as a person and what do I need to do to change that? Yeah, that's good. To your point on digital, um, digital clutter, it is amazing. Um, and I think we just have to keep in mind when it was social media, I mean, they, though it's designed to draw you in, it's designed right. to keep you there. And, um, I think sometimes we forget that and, uh, man, you can get sucked in really, really quick. And, uh, and the time, time goes by. I, I my wife and I always mention, I said, what, what did people do before the phone? And, you know, honestly, <laughs> in, you know, living in Madagascar, we kind of missed it, but then probably in the last three or four years, I mean, the police on the side of the road, public servants, everybody, I mean, everybody has that same neck problem where they're looking down and you just think of hours of productivity lost at work. Uh, take away, you're not your, even if it's your personal time, but take away hours at work, man, it is, I'm thinking the world is going by and people are looking at that phone and, um, but Facebook and those type things have, you know, they've, they're around Africa now and, and they, people spend as much time there, I would say is mm. elsewhere because a lot of times it's free. It's part, at least in Madagascar, it was free. They could be on Facebook for free and, um, through their cell phone, uh, plan. And, um, man, it's just, just interesting to see. Yeah. Interesting yeah, to see. It is. It's not just a Western phenomenon, um, for sure. Last last step, um, uh, a practice to start the new year is strategic reprioritization. And what are some areas um, that we should focus on as we reprioritize um, for the new year? Well, after you've kind of reflected on the previous year, it brings you to that place of, okay, and, and after you've also reflected on your your purpose compass, you know, my, my mission, my values, you know, the legacy I want to leave. You've, you've looked at those things. Then you're kind of set up to say, all right, so what am I going to do in the new year? How am I going to invest my time in the new year in the most strategic way? And so I think of four areas, I think one of personal growth. So I, I encourage people to start the year with a personal growth plan, something in writing that that really answers you know what your goal is what your your plan is to grow in that area who's going to hold you accountable when are you going to check up on your progress really put together a, a solid growth plan um which i i actually in the first episode of leader fluent um i, I talk about that of, of how to create a plan for personal growth and and um and i've even on my blog got a, a free uh resource that you can download as well on on, on how to do that and uh so Feel free to take advantage of that and and uh, and use it with your team. So so one is a personal personal growth. Two is family health. Like what do mm -hmm. we need to do in the coming year to make sure uh, family is remaining a priority and uh, getting the attention that that uh, that it deserves. Three is your team's growth. Mm -hmm. So for example, this you know the last week of the year, I, I took some time to say, all right, what what do I need to focus on in terms of the development and growth of my team members like what do we we'll do some uh training time in our staff meetings what does that time need to focus on and so i kind of mapped out the first um the first few weeks of the year the first two three months to say okay here's going to be our next kind of focus uh to help develop and grow the team and then organizational goals is is the the fourth you know reprioritization area is is what what are my goals uh, organizationally for the next six months, twelve months? Um, and goals can be uh, sometimes they're departmental for a team member, and then and then there's other goals that are kind of across the board, like they're for they apply to the whole team. So we've got at Seven City Church, all of our staff have their own departmental goals that uh, they you know have got a, a worksheet that they fill out and and uh, 
you know, those goals, they get to set their goals, but, but I kind of have the final say on them. And, yeah. um, uh, so I'm not going to tell them what their goals need to be. They need, they need that freedom to do that. But at the same time, I want to make sure they're investing in the right areas. So they, so they'll, they'll set those goals, um, departmentally, but then we've also got a couple of goals that are across the entire team. So everybody's got a stake in that goal. And um, we call them wigs, wild, wildly important goals. And hmm. uh, we, we stole that from uh, the, the book, The Four Disciplines of Execution uh, by Chris McChesney. And it's it just, you know, it's that idea of having a goal that the whole team shares. It is yeah. wildly important. It's something you've got to uh, rally around. So, so what is that goal that the, the team needs to be rallied around for, for the new year? So that, that this, you know, when you're, uh, creating this, uh, this plan, it's kind of setting the path for moving forward. That's awesome. Well, Stephen, once again, I, I continue to learn from you and appreciate your time um, with us uh, today on the podcast. Would you pray for us as we begin this 2021, um, you know, with an attitude of gratitude uh, for 2020 and uh, reflecting back on that, but also focusing on the, on the future and what God um, has for us in the future as we, as we use the tools that you've given us today for 2021? Certainly. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's good to, good to be with you again. God, we thank you for the day and we thank you uh, that God, even in difficult years, you are at work shaping us, molding us, forming us into the people that you've called us to be. And we thank you for the lessons that we've harvested from 2020. Help us to run with those lessons and to, to live them out well. And God, as we're um, in a new year, I, I just ask that you would give us uh, wisdom for this year, that God, you would help us to strategically choose the things that are most important, where we need to be investing our time, that we would have a, a plan for our own personal growth and development, that we would be on purpose and focused in, in our organizations, and our ministries and our churches, God, uh, that Lord, you would help us to invest time wisely in what you have called us to. In Jesus' name, I give you thanks for that. And uh, just pray that you would bless each listener in your name. Amen. Amen. 